Chapter 2 Accidental Yet Unexplainable The Willow Crest Fire Department had never seen an incident like the one at St. Andrew's Children's Hospital. The firefighters were called in the middle of the night to view the damage from the reported explosion, but when they arrived, they had no idea what they were looking at. There weren't any flames to extinguish. There was hardly any debris to clear, and the remaining walls of the hospital were blackened, weren't blackened or singed by the alleged blast. As far as they could tell, the woman's bathroom had just exploded as much as it had just vanished. It's not damaged, it's just missing, one of the firefighters said to another. If there had been an explosion, this place would be covered in bits of porcelain, but there's not a piece of the bathroom anywhere. The hospital staff swears a fully functional bathroom was right here just a few hours ago, the second firefighter said. If it wasn't an explosion, then what could have removed it so quickly? The firefighters asked around the hospital, but no one had witnessed the phenomenon. Further com- com- further complicating the strange situation, they checked the grounds surrounding the hospital in case the bathroom had been detached by some type of tractor, but there were no tracks on the ground. What should I put in the report? The first firefighter asked the second. The hospital's insurance company is going to need something from us, but I can't exactly say the bathroom got up and walked away. Right, accidental yet unexplainable, the second firefighter said. I think this case is above our pay grade. They're going to need an investigation to get to the bottom of this. A thorough investigation. With no further assistance, assessments to make, the firefighters taped off the area and gave the hospital manager the contact information for the destruction investigator who lived in the next town. The specialist wasn't available for another week, so the missing bathroom remained a giant and mysterious hole until his arrival. The scene was completely untouched until midnight on the eve of the inspector's visit. A 15-year-old young man stepped over the yellow tape and had, set in, and had a seat in the doorway that led to nowhere. His eyes were baggy, his heart was heavy, he and he hunched as if the weight of the world rested on his shoulders. Deep in thought, he gazed through the large hole of the buildings of the downtown Willow Crest in the distance. The young man had hoped that if he returned to the missing bathroom, it might provide answers to the questions haunting him. Unfortunately, all the answers had disappeared with the bathroom. Hey, Connor! A 16-year-old young woman suddenly peeked into the hospital from the outside, almost giving Connor a heart attack. She wore a purple beanie and had blonde hair with a streak of pink and blue at the front. Bree, Connor said, what are you doing here? I thought you were grounded for running away. Oh, I am, Bree said. I'm not allowed to leave the house until college. I've never seen my parents so furious. As far as they know, I just snuck off to visit family in Connecticut. I can't imagine how they would react if they knew we flew to Germany and back. What if you get caught sneaking out? Connor asked. Don't worry, I won't, Bree said. I've been sneaking out of the house since I was eight. I put a wax head on my pillow and leave a cassette playing of someone snoring 
in case my parents check my bedroom. That's both impressive and scary, Connor said. Bree shrugged. It's just like Laurel Thatcher Ulrich said, well-behaved women seldom make history. She climbed into the hospital, carefully stepping on the remaining floorboards so she didn't fall into the basement below, and had a seat next to Connor on the doorway. You weren't home, so I figured I'd find you here, she said. I want to take one last look at the damage before the inspector starts digging around tomorrow, he said. You know, just in case there was something we missed. Any luck finding Alex? Not at all, Connor said with a sigh. It's been a week since he, she just disappeared, and we haven't found a single clue to where she went. My mom and stepdad have looked all over town, but there's no sign of her. Jack, Red, and Lester are searching the fairy tale world as we speak, but so far they have not, haven't returned with anything. It's so bizarre, Bree said. I barely know her, but it seems so out of character for her to run off like that. Has she done anything like that before? Connor's knee-jerk reaction was to defend his sister's reputation, but the more he thought about it, the more he remembered it wasn't entirely unlike her to go missing. Sort of, he replied. Alex went through this weird phase not too long ago. She would get overwhelmed about something and lose control of her powers, but the circumstances were so different, and she really stressed out and was easy to provoke. What was she stressed out about? It was back when we were searching the fairy tale world for our Uncle Lloyd, he explained. All her hunches about him were right, but no one wanted to believe her. The fairy council thought she was becoming reckless, so they ordered her to stop looking for him. Alex got so upset she disappeared into a ball of flames, but she resurfaced a couple days later. Oh, said Bree. So maybe it isn't out of character. Disappearing, maybe, but she's not the type who abandons her friends in their hour of need, Connor said. Things are finally looking up for a change. We had just recruited all the characters from my stories. We are finally ready to fight the literary army in the fairy tale world, so why would she vanish now? It makes no sense. The detective in me wants to believe your uncle had something to do with it, especially if he was the reason behind her previous outburst, Bree said. But Emmerich and I were with him the entire time he was in the outer world. Alex never laid eyes on him. If she was provoked, it was by someone else. Connor nodded. And that's what I've been trying to figure out. Alex's behavior puzzled them as much as the vanished bathroom puzzled the fire department. And just like the firefighters, they knew they were missing a piece of the story. Unfortunately, there was no specialist they could call to help them solve Alex's disappearance. How are all the characters doing? Bree asked. They're a little stir-crazy from being cooped up in the commissary, Connor said. We have to let them outside for fresh air in shifts so no one around here gets suspicious. Bob has been teaching the merry men and the lost boys how to play football in the park to burn off some energy. My mom has rewrapped all the mummies with fresh bandages, so the commissary smells a lot better. The cyborgs have 
blown every fuse in the hospital from using the outlets too much. The Ziblings had been patrolling downtown at night to get their hero fix. So the city's crime rate has gone down. And the Starbonia pirates found a television and have been watching I Love Lucy reruns non-stop. It annoys everyone else, but at least it keeps them occupied. I'm glad everyone's hanging in there, Bree said. I can't imagine what it's like for you. Being in a cemetery of the undead for a couple of hours was surreal enough for me, but you've been surrounded by your creations for days. It's got to feel a little trippy, family reunion. Once you've been your elk once you've seen your elderly grandmother slay a dragon, everything else pales in comparison, Connor laughed. Speaking of family reunions, did Camille and Emmerich get to Germany safely? It was so kind of her to offer him a ride home. Thankfully, Bree said, Cornelia and Emmerich and Foy Himmelbach were very happy to be reunited. They were... They're also moving to Australia to get as far away from the castle as possible. Wanda and Frida have been stranded in Bavaria since our un your Uncle Lloyd kidnapped us, so Cornelia picked them up and flew them back to Connecticut yesterday. I was amazed how well Cornelia handled it all, Connor said. Usually people freak out when they learn about their dimensions, but she barely flinched. Bree forced a smile and nodded. She hadn't been completely honest with Connor. She knew He knew Bree was in Connecticut when she learned Emmerich had been kidnapped. She knew He knew Cornelia was generously offered to fly Bree to Germany so they could help Emmerich's mother look for him. And he knew they happened to be at the castle when Uncle Lloyd brought Emmerich back to the other, other world. However, Connor had not had been so overwhelmed by Alex's disappearance, Bree thought it would best to leave out the other details. She never mentioned why she had gone to visit her family in Connecticut, that she discovered they were part of a secret league known as the Sisters Grimm, or their extensive history of tracking portals into the fairy tale world. Bree hoped a better time would be present would present himself to fill Connor in. But the longer Alex was gone, the more inappropriate it became. At, Con at Cornelia's age, there's not a whole lot that shocks her, Bree said. In fact, when you get a minute, I'd love to tell you more about my trip with her to her. Bree was interrupted by the sound of footsteps coming from the hallway behind them. A moment later, Trebella appeared in the doorway of the missing bathroom. The young troll queen immediately crossed her arms and scowled at the sight of Bree and Connor at the same location. Well, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't keep her away from your man, Trebella quipped. Connor rolled his eyes. What do you want, Trebella? I came to let you know about Beansprout and Frog Mistress and Plucky McGee have returned, she said. Who? Bree asked. She means Jack, Red, and Lester are back from the fairy tale world, Connor said, and quickly jumped to his feet. Maybe they know something about Alex. Trebella, will you let my mom and Bob know? They're working the night shift on the third floor. I am not your errand girl, butter boy.
Trebella said. There'll be no more favors between us until you're ready to commit. Fine, Connor said. Bree, will you please get my mom and Bob? Fine. I'll fetch my Butterboy's in-laws. Trebella said, but please stop begging. I hate seeing how vulnerable you've become without me. Connor and Bree ran down the hall toward the commissary as Trebella fetched Charlotte and Bob. They found all their friends from Oz Neverland, the Sherwood Forest in the Land of Stories, and Connor's short stories, the adventures of Blimp Boy, the Ziblings, the, Queen, the Galaxy Queen, huddled around Jack and Red. The only ones who weren't paying attention to their arrival were the pirates from Starbonia, who never looked away from the television. Are they still watching that ditzy woman? Red asked. The other world may be advanced, but it sure leads to some awful habits. Well, Connor asked. Well, Connor asked. Getting straight to the point, did you find my sister? Jack slowly shook his head. No, he said. We looked at all the places we thought she would be. The ruins of the fairy palace, the giant's castle in the sky, the clock tower of the prince's charming palace, we didn't, but we didn't find a trace of her. The news was so disappointing, Connor had to sit down. If Alex wasn't in the fairy tale world, he didn't know where else to look. His train of thought shifted from thinking of places she might be to worrying she'd never be found. I'm sorry you didn't find Alex, but I'm so glad you're back, Goylocks told Jack as she cradled their newborn son. It's a miracle you have weren't spotted even at Lustred's Heights. Jack went to his wife's side and kissed Hero on the forehead. Red gave Goldilocks a large hug from behind as if the sentiment were meant for her. Goldilocks, you're back on your feet, Red pointed out. It's safe. It's... Uh, is it safe for you to be walking around so soon after giving birth? Red, I had a baby, not a whale, Goldilocks <laughs> said. How is the fairy how is the fairy tale world? Are the conditions any better? That's exactly how we left it, Jack told the room. The citizens from all the kingdoms are still being held at Swan Lake, if they're not building monuments of to the emperors. The literary army is lined up on the lawns of the North Palace, but all they do is march all day, as if they're waiting for something to happen. It sounds like they're preparing for battle, Goylocks said. They couldn't be expecting us, could they? I imagine it's just a scare tactic to keep the citizens from rebelling, Jack said. They still haven't discovered the royal families in the abandoned mine, so I doubt they've caught wind of us. How could they? And the others in the mine, are they still made of stone? Goylocks asked. Unfortunately so, Jack said. Shame, same goes for the fairy council. Oh, it was a terrible sight, Red said, and shuddered at the thought. All the faces were frozen, the most unattractive expressions of terror. If someone turns me into stone, I hope they have the decency to tell me something amusing beforehand. What about the creature that did it? The tin man, tin woodman said. Was there any sight, sign of who or what it is? They wouldn't. 
be here if they had seen it, Bluebo said, and recalled the terrifying moments he had spent in his presence. All it took was one glance, and boom, everyone was stiff as a rock. I wouldn't be here if my eyes hadn't been closed. Commander Neuters gulps fearfully and turns to Connor. There are creatures that turn others into stone in the land of stories, he asked. It didn't come from the land of stories. It didn't come from the fairy tale world, Connor said. It must have been a character my uncle recruited using the portal potion. I just don't know from which story it's from. Does it have to be from literature? Beau Rogers asked. If I didn't know any better, I'd say you were talking about Medusa from the Greek mythology. What's a Medusa? Peter Pan asked. She's a terrible monster, Bo Rogers animately replied. Legend says she has long, scaly body, fangs, and snakes for hair. Just one gaze into her red eyes, and you'll turn into a statue. The Lost Boys covered their eyes, ears, and mouths as the young archaeologist's frightening description. The bliss worm clapped its tiny hands together and anxious to meet her. Don't worry, lads, Robin Hood said. I've cornered many a maiden who've turned out to be far worse. With just a few verses of romantic poem, she'll be putty in my hands. The Prince of Thieves didn't make anyone feel any better about the situation, especially Connor. He got to his feet and started pacing around the room. A very difficult decision had to be made and Connor couldn't delay a moment longer. We can't waste any more time, he said. Tomorrow we're going to fight the literary army and reclaim the fairy tale world. I never thought we'd have to do it without my sister, but we can't let the people suffer any longer. Poor Alex, Red said. There have been many times I've disappeared for some me time, but I always return after a couple hours. I hope she'll resurface in time to help us. She put so much work into recruiting our army, it'd be a shame she missed the war completely. Suddenly, Goylock's face lit up with an idea. Red's nonsense always has a funny way of putting things into perspective for her. Hold your horses, Goylock said. Which horses? the tin woodman asked. No, it's a figure of speech, Goylock said. I got, got and got back to her point. We've been looking at the literary army and the Alex's disappearance as if they're separate situations. But what if they're more related than we think? After all, we are at war. A war Alex is a key player in. It's very possible someone is using Alex to sabotage us. Perhaps it's time we stop asking where Alex went and start asking who took her. All of the directions Connor's mind had gone in the last week, this was a conclusion he had never come to. Come to. His sister was so powerful and strong-minded, it was hard to imagine that someone could abduct her from the hospital without anyone noticing, especially someone from the literary army. They couldn't have taken Alex, Connor said. Even if the literary army knew she existed, they have no way of accessing the other world. Besides, I think one of us would have noticed a card soldier or a flying monkey around. I didn't say it was from the literary army, Goldilocks said. 
In times of conflict, there's always the enemy you know and the enemy you don't. The literary army may be who we're up against, but who's the third party we're forgetting to consider? Who else would benefit if either of our armies was defeated? The whole commissary went quiet as all the characters thought it over. It was highly likely that they were leaving someone out of their equation, but who could it be? Who or what just as who or what was just as invested in the upcoming war as they were? Who at that very moment was also assembling a secret and forming plans to dominate the fairy tale world? The answer hit Bree like a bolt of lightning. The realization made her gasp so loudly all the characters jumped. I know, she explained, we're forgetting about the witches. We know they have access to the other world because one of them kidnapped Emmerich, using the portal at the castle. I think you're on to something, Jack said. Connor, do you remember the night we followed the man, masked man to the witch's brew? The witches were meeting because they were afraid they would get blamed for the missing children. They were paranoid a witch hunt was coming. It was very likely they began planning to take over the fairy world as a way to protect themselves. When the masked man invaded the literary army, Goylock said, the witches probably kidnapped Emmerich so that they would have leverage against your uncle. So maybe they planned to use Alex's leverage against us. Of course, the witches were up to some vile scheme, Red said. I mean, they're witches. Hello? I wouldn't be surprised if that goat who took Char Charlie had something to do with it. The lost boys and I found the missing children in her basement. Marina probably kidnapped them to purposely stir up paranoia in the witch community so they had a reason to take to plot a takeover. I bet she's behind the whole thing. Everyone froze and looked at Red in shock. If she was correct, it was little unsettling how easy it was for her to figure out Marina's intentions. Don't look at me like that, Red said. It takes a conniving genius to know a conniving genius. Obviously. There's the type of woman Charlie's attracted to. <coughs> but how could the witches know we were planning to defeat the literary army? How do they know we're a threat? Connor asked. Bree looked at him like the answer was obvious. Connor, they figured out Emmerich was your cousin before you or your uncle did. He reminded, she reminded him, I'm sure it wouldn't be hard for the witch to look into a crystal ball and figure out that we're doing with a bunch of interdimensional beings inside a children's hospital. Unfortunately, it made sense. A witch could easily have crossed into the other world, snuck into the hospital without being detected. They could have used magic to overpower Alex and take her back to the fairy tale world as a hostage. Connor had prayed for a clearer answer all week, but he never guessed how much he would it would complicate matters. Let's say let's lay everything out on the table before we go any further, he said. Which table? the Tin Woodman asked. Also a figure of speech, Connor said. Not only do we have to liberate the fairy tale world from the scariest villains in literature 
and slay a mythical, mythological creature before it turns us all into stone. But we also have to defeat an evil coven of witches before they use my sister against us. All the characters in the commissary shared glances with wide, timid eyes. The blissworm cheered. It couldn't wait for the battle to begin. I know what you're thinking, Connor said. This is much different fight than you signed up for. If the witches are involved, then we're easily outnumbered, especially if they have my sister. I was confident we could defeat the literary army, but I'm not sure we can win the war. Connor rubbed his hands together, desperately trying to think of a way to get the odds back in their favor. Jack had a seat beside him and placed a hand on his friend's shoulder. For once, I am with the Blissworm, Jack said. We've seen a lot of scary situations over the years, but we've always gotten through them together. Yes, there are many times when a little of your sister's magic went a long way, but we would never have pulled through if it weren't for both of you. Now look around, Connor. You're surrounded by an army of your imagination. That means there's piece of you inside each and every one of them and even if it's just a fraction of your bravery your aptitude or even your wit i know those bastards won't stand a chance against us it was the exact pep talk connor needed to hear it was also inspired all the characters in the commissary jack's words even made the pirates at starbonia look up from the television for the first time in days It'll be dangerous, Connor said. We love danger, the lost boys shouted. Some of us may get hurt, Connor added. Speak for yourself, the cyborg queen said. I can adjust feelings and settings. And regardless of what happens, at the end of the day, we'll all be heroes, Bolt said, and flipped through the air. Connor couldn't help but smile at his character's willingness to help him. He'd never thought his own creations could inspire him so much. All right, all right, he said. It's going to be a challenge, but we can do this. Tomorrow morning, we're going to go to the fairy tale world and we're going to kick some literary, mythological, witchy butt. All the characters cheered. The Blissworm was happy they were finally on the same page. Did you hear that, men? Robin Hood said. We're on the eve of war. We shall follow the sorcerer valiantly into battle and we'll be... Showered with riches after our victory. Robin, no one's getting paid, Connor said. Oh, Robin Hood said. Then we shall be showered with compliments for our good intentions. After all, praise is the currency of the brave. Suddenly the doors opened and Bob and Charlotte rushed to the commissary. They were flushed and out of breath as they had run the whole way there. A moment later, Trebella entered behind them as they moved so fast she couldn't keep up. Mom, I've got good news and bad news, Connor said. Bad news is Jack and Red didn't find Alex. But the good news is, we know where your sister is, Charlotte panted. Connor couldn't believe his ears. You what? Turn on the news, Bob told the pirates. Channel 4, hurry. But Ricky just let Lucy perform in the club, Auburn Sally said. Change the channel, the entire room yelled in unison. The pirates reluctantly changed the channel, and everyone gathered around the television to watch the news. A reporter appeared on the screen, the broadcast live from somewhere in New York City. 
I'm standing on the corner of 39th Street and 5th Avenue in Manhattan, where police have stopped all vehicles and pedestrians from going any further, the reporter said. The NYPD are preventing anyone from entering the two-block radius around the main branch of the New York Public Library. Police officials have yet to say the reason for such precautions, but one thing is certain. Something dangerous is happening at the library. The news station played shaky footage from the helicopter flying over the library. It was difficult to see anything except the red and blue police lights surrounding the building on all sides. As if it wasn't, this isn't the first peculiar incident in the area this week, the reporter continued. As I mentioned earlier, just a few days ago, the wreckage of the bathroom mysteriously appeared in the middle of Bryant Park, just behind the library. The dumpsters have yet to the yeah the dumpsters have yet to be identified. Did she just say they discovered a bathroom? Connor asked. He, we rushed here as soon as we heard. Charlotte said, "We've just learned police have begun evacuating all the residents in the area as well." The reporter said. As I said, very little information is being shared at this time, but according to eyewitness reports, the Ionic Lion statues of the library's entrance have been vandalized. The helicopter footage showed a close-up of the library's sprawling front steps. Once the camera refocused, everyone could see the lion statues were absent from their perches. Instead, they could be seen standing right in front of the library's entrance, as if the beasts were guarding the front doors. For a split second, it almost looked like the statues were moving. Did you see that? The reporter asked. It appears the statue is being manipulated somehow. The one on the right looks like it's growling at the approaching police. Oh my, the lion statue has just rocked the officer, knocked the officer to the ground. The police are retreating. I've never seen anything like this. If I didn't know any better, I'd say we're witnessing magic. Connor went pale and looked at his friends in disbelief. Oh my God, he said. What are we going to... We've got to get to New York City. That's the end of chapter two. Good night. Love you.